Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. In January 2019, we launched the What Fuels You podcast, and since that time, I have had the honor of featuring and highlighting leaders and their incredible stories. Though I'm eager to continue sharing these stories with you, I want to make space for different and relevant content for this unique and challenging time. While we all navigate the COVID-19 pandemic together, on this podcast and the upcoming ones, I'll be having more focused conversations with leaders to help answer questions, get key insights, and share stories of inspiration around how they and their teams are adapting during this new reality. I hope you enjoy these episodes of the What Fuels You podcast. Jeremy Lott, president of Sanmar, is with me today on the What Fuels You podcast. Family owned since 1971, Sanmar is the largest supplier of apparel to the imprinted sportswear and promotional products market. With the recent COVID-19 pandemic, Sanmar has joined a coalition of American-owned textile companies to be part of the solution. They are working with the White House to produce millions of much-needed face masks to support hospitals and healthcare workers. Jeremy is an incredible philanthropist, a husband, a father, and this is his second time on the podcast. We had him for this special moment in history, which we'll tell our grandkids about. Um, we're just super grateful to have you in the community and super proud to have you on the podcast. Welcome, Jer. From you, Arizona, Sean. that you're in Arizona, right? <laughs> I, I oh am. I'm a COVID refugee hanging out. A down. COVID refugee. Things yeah. could be worse, I guess. Um, yeah. Thank you. And and um, we've had some technical difficulties, so I apologize and thank you for your patience. Um, okay. So Jeremy, the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast, aside from the fact that I love hanging out with you, is that I love um, always learning from you as far as your leadership style. Um, but I think you're in a very unique position right now, given your industry. Your products are mostly used for events, big events, sporting events, team events, schools, government. I mean, you are kind of the company. Um, and I also, knowing that Sanmar sources goods from 23 different companies, you're a global company, I feel like you have a really unique perspective on this crisis. And I'm just curious how it's impacted your business at Sanmar. Yeah, well, you know, when we first started kind of, you know, learning about what was happening in China, you know, two months ago, we were worried about what it meant to our supply chain. Obviously, we produced some goods in China. We produce goods in lots of countries, like you mentioned, 23 countries, but a lot of fabric comes from China or other rock, you know, materials. And so we were worried what it meant to our business, not really what it meant to demand, but to kind of supply. And that's really changed over the last two weeks as, uh, as we're all um, staying at home, uh, sheltering in place, as events have gotten canceled, as spring sports have gotten canceled. Um, across the country, our business is off very significantly. So it's been a really challenging time for Sanmar as we've had to uh, you know, really carefully manage expenses, think about our vendors, how we work with them on, on orders, work with our banks, uh, really work to try to put ourselves in a position to kind of ride through this while all the events that we normally sell to just aren't happening right now. So it's been a really, uh, it's been a challenging time for our business for sure. Yeah. And so you mentioned China, like at what point did you realize the significance of this? Because China was, I mean, I remember we were, I think I was in Mexico and we were talking about China and I was considering going to Korea, I mean, um, to Taiwan and we canceled it, but I didn't know, obviously none of us knew that it was going to be like this. At what point did Sanmar realize this could be pretty significant? You know, I, I remember preparing for a board meeting kind of at the you know end of the year. We were really planning to 
toddler board, the story of uh, you know, how we were managing from a supply perspective. Uh, and we were doing all these things. Uh, luckily, we had, or not luckily, but we had spent a lot of time in the last year moving a lot of our production out of China because of the tariffs in place. So we thought this wasn't going to have that big of an effect on our business. And it really wasn't until about now three weeks ago when um, it really started to you know, obviously explode here in a significant way that our business went from being pretty good to down significantly almost overnight. And it was, it was really, it was almost like, I think it was a Thursday night when the NBA had those two teams that were playing and they oh, walked off. Yeah. And it was like the next day it was just like business had stopped. And it, it, so it's been really pretty significant of an impact for us. Uh, you know, in talking to people, we, we, we never experienced something like this as a nation where, um, you know, I love, you know, I've got a lot of kids and they all play sports. The <laughs> idea that like spring sports wouldn't happen for any kid across the country is almost an unthinkable thing. Well, we sell uniforms to all of those teams across the country. The fact that there'd be no concerts, no sporting events, no conferences, it's just hard to imagine, you know, anything that could have done that. So, you know, obviously this was a, a, a surprise to us. It certainly shocked our business. And yeah. So again, it's been kind of, uh, really in a mode of trying to figure out how we uh, how we best survive through it. Yeah, it's funny because when we were about to go on the podcast, I was telling the kids I was going to be talking to you, and they're like, "So tell me again what Jeremy does." And I'm like, "Well, see that sweatshirt? Probably Sanmar is probably involved in some way. Like you guys touch pretty much everything, corporate events, every kind of event. So at what point did you um, get contacted? I know that I heard that you got contacted by the White House or the federal government reached out." Um, and asked you about potentially getting involved in helping make masks. And how does that even work? Yeah. So, you know, normally we have factories that make t-shirts and sweatshirts and polo shirts. And, um, you know, we've never made a mask before, never even something mm -hmm. we'd considered, but we have textile equipment and we have sewing. And so there's a company in North Carolina called Parkdale Mills. They're the largest yarn spinner in America. They're a large vendor of ours. And I think they, uh, had relationships in DC through their government relations work, and they called us. They called uh, Haynes Brands and they called Fruit of the Loom, and they said, "I think we could put together a supply chain that could uh, make masks using the type of products that we make." It was interesting because right at the same time, I'd gotten a call from one of my employees, and she said her son was an EMT um, in Bellingham, and they were being encouraged to wear bandanas because they didn't have masks, and it was just like crystallizing for me that we, there's a real problem here and there's a mm -hmm. real kind of shortage. Um, and so when we had the opportunity to get involved, you know, we took it right away. And so originally um, the, the conversations were really directly with the White House, with Peter Navarro, um, who was kind of coordinating a lot of this kind of manufacturing. And they were trying to put together a coalition of American companies to really, who could ramp up production. Uh, in a really, really quick way. Mm -hmm. And it was a really- uh, what, what does a quick way mean? Like how fast, and how do you even know how to make a mask? Is there a protocol of like certain laws it has to pass or? Yeah, so so Haynes had actually been working with uh, NC State and the FDA on a, uh, a mask. It's not, many of you have heard of like the N95 mask. Yeah, that's what I was gonna the, ask. This is not an N95, this is a next best thing. So it's a three-ply cotton jersey with a, um, copper and silver treatment on it that gives it a, uh, a level of kind of anti- Like a know, protective layer or something? Yes, yes. And so um, this is a kind of, again, next best thing to the right mask that you'd want mm -hmm. to have, but it was something that they could do uh, really fast. So this design had kind of become in place. 
Um, and then it was literally getting on calls with um, uh, Pierre Navarro, who, who said, we need to ramp these as, you know, as fast as humanly possible. What does that look like? And it was kind of, this was our Manhattan project, you know, as an industry. Um, I have a good relationship with the people at UPS and I called uh, a woman there named Kate Gutman. He, she's the chief sales officer. She's one of their management, uh, on their management committee, reports to the CEO. And I said to her, look, Kate, I need support on this. And I said, this isn't normal, like where you ship from A to Z. I said, I need a plane like in the Dominican Republic on Tuesday to pick up fabric, wow. to drop it off in Honduras on Wednesday, to pick up cut parts on Thursday, to bring it to Tennessee, to our sewing facility. And, you know, how do we deliver this? And, and, and UPS was on board moment one, kind of really supportive because it wasn't, this isn't normal way of doing business. This was, how do we produce this? So Thursday was our first call with the White House um, by, that was two, I guess, uh, a week Maybe, ago. Maybe, yeah, Thursday. mid March, I guess, because it's April, what is it today, April 3rd? Yeah, so yeah. this week we're in, we are full in production and this week we'll make, I haven't seen the numbers today, but somewhere around 200 to 250,000 masks just at Sandmark. Oh, that's now, amazing. Haynes are also kind of in production. Uh, we expect within the next 30 to 45 days, we're going to be making about 10 million masks per week. And that's just Sandmark. The whole consortium could be three times that. Oh so my gosh. It's a, it's a stunning um, amount of masks to make in a really short period of time for companies that don't make this product. Yeah, it's like a, a complete pivot. Is, is there a reason why or any sort of significance to them being made here? Like why not, you know, in the US or with US companies? So uh, the, the, the White House was concerned originally that they needed a US supply chain because there's obviously a need for masks globally. And the uh, concern has been that other countries are going to need their own production for their own kind of populations. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, you know, as American companies that had control over supply chain that owned our factories, that we needed to have kind of that in place. And, you know, so that's been fantastic. We own a facility in, in Honduras. We've owned a facility in Tennessee that are full in production. But we've also used our, I mentioned at the beginning, we, we produce in 23 uh, factories. So we're using our partners, um, in Vietnam as well. So, so a big piece of the 10 million masks we'll be making will be coming um, from Vietnam as well once we get them up and running. But the production that's happening this week is wow. really in our Tennessee facility and in Central America. So we're working to ramp up anything that we could control globally. And again, these are factories that make polo shirts and t-shirts for us. It's great for them because it's an opportunity for them to keep their workers busy. Um, if you go to our facility in Tennessee, there's a huge amount of pride that people have there that they're producing something that's going to uh, absolutely help people. And these are factories that frankly would be sitting idle right now because we don't have, we don't need them to make t-shirts and sweatshirts for us. So it's providing opportunity for some of those people um, as well as trying to ramp this up really quick. And then obviously we're trying to do it in a the safest possible way for them to be in a big room together and producing kind of product. And how do we, how have we had to retool our facilities to make this product, to think about social distancing, yeah. all this Wow. Things. I have chills just hearing about this. I haven't gotten to see you because you've been, we've been on socially distanced from each other, yeah. but yeah. I love that. I mean, this is so you and so your family and your company to be doing this, this type of work. I'm curious to know, obviously none of us have a, um, 
<laughs> any sort of uh, crystal ball to be able to know what's coming. But do you think that this is going to be an ongoing part of the business? Well, you know, it's funny. I uh, I, I travel a lot, and 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 if you go to Asia post SARS. Um, masks are something that's pretty common that people wear. Do like they make designer with like Chanel, Louis Vuitton? Well, I actually so, bet you that's coming. I'm not kidding. Well, so we're working on beyond this. This is you know beyond kind of these initial masks that that, that are we're being produced for the government. We're working on masks that you could actually put logos on and long term. Oh, awesome. You know, so if you were you know you're riding the subway in New York and maybe you're just healthy, but you want to you know you're a Mets fan, you can wear your Mets mask. Yeah, I'm gonna wear a fuel. Give me a fuel talent mask. one. Absolutely. I'll put a little fuel talent logo on it. Yeah. That's amazing. And so the factories, are you going to extend it to your other factories? I know you've got the um, 23 different com countries and um, are there other countries like where can they produce these? So uh, there's, there's a few different things you have to have to produce these masks. You have to have the, um, the right yarn and chemical that has the, that gives it the um, antiviral, antimicrobial kind of properties. That's that silver and copper kind of mm. I talked about. Mm -hmm. That's not something that is necessarily like globally available today. Right. So there are some limitations on being able to, um, you know, how many countries we can produce in. And then some of our countries aren't able to produce right now because of, um, you know, the, the virus in those countries, those factories mm -hmm. are shut down. So we are limited in where we can produce, you know, over time. Um, obviously, if there continues to be a great of a need and we can ramp up in other countries, then we certainly will. But, um, you know, we're... Right now, it's everything we can to get online the production that we're that we're doing, and so we're really focused on how do we get up yeah. to this quantity as quickly as possible. I can only imagine as a leader the complexity of your days. You're probably just jumping on like from mass conversation to banking conversation to you know try to do whatever kind of projections you can do to you know how do I keep my team happy and inspired. Um, how has this been for you personally as a leader? I know that you, um, you know, despite the fact that you're a ginormous company, how many employees do you have? We had about just over 4,000. Yeah, uh, but, you're, but you're family owned and yeah. um, 50 years in business. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. So I know that it's, it's from generation to generation, you have held really strong to, um, to your values and you've always prided yourself on those values, I wrote down four that stood out to me that seem like ones that you're really leaning into right now. One is do the right thing. Clearly, you're doing that. Um, make a difference. Invest in each other. And this is my favorite one. Be nice. It's kind of like very obvious one, but some companies sure. don't think about it. Um, how have you and your leadership team specifically shown up in those values and lived into them? Yeah. So it's been... It's been a so first off, it's been a really it's been challenging. I mean, it's been um, we've we've worked longer hours the last two weeks than we've ever worked before. We've never been in a situation like this. We are um, you know we have a responsibility to a lot of employees, to our factory partners, to trying to get these masks up and running, to you know our our, our lenders, to everything, and so the the complexity has been really intense. Um, the and the interesting thing is we're all physically distant. So you know, uh, we're working out of our homes. <laughs> I'm most days working out of my cousin's garage, where he's yeah. letting me uh, work. I mean, we are all working. You're like we're all squatting, right, we're, in random places. Right, right. I mean, it's been challenging, but the team has come together in a way. Um, you know, all of the BS that normally kind of sometimes exists in a workplace or in a management team, all the politics, like it's all gone. On. Yeah, and everybody is 
just working as hard as they can and and as well as I've ever seen us work together as a team. Mm-hmm. So that's been that's been a really gratifying uh, to see. We've had yeah. to make some really hard decisions. We have had to cut people's hours. We've had to cut uh, salaries. Um, I cut my salary to a dollar. Our entire leadership team cut their salary significantly. So we've had to make some really hard decisions as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we have kind of our North star has been two things. It's been one, we need to make sure that the company is viable um, when this is over and that there's a, a, a great um, lasting business there that can everyone can kind of come back to in a significant way. The second yeah. piece for us was we want to do this if, with, uh, if we can without laying anybody off. And so wow. we have, well, we've cut hours. We've kept everyone as an employee. They continue to have their health care from Sanmar. Um, and so that was important. Uh, that was important to us as a business. We feel like we're going to be able to do that and make it through. But that was our, that was the big kind of things that's been guiding kind of our decision. That's incredible. And, and not surprising. Are there any other things that have surprised you? Um, just from the logistics standpoint, obviously we had 10 minutes, maybe even 20 of chaos trying to get my headset and, yeah and Wi-Fi going, but um, we've all had to be pretty nimble learning learning how to work remotely. Um, how do you think that's gonna play out in years to come as you think about your culture? And also, how have you been able to feel kind of emotionally connected to people being distant? You know, you know my first Zoom cocktail hour was really fun and I- that I'm ready, great. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I uh, by like my third, I really miss, um, you know, I miss, seeing people, I miss the interaction, I miss my friends. It's yeah. been, you know, and I think that um, just, it's been a good reminder of uh, that as people that we are kind of social creatures. And it gives me faith that all the things that we are business sells to, whether it's the sporting events and the teams and the events, that those will come back because I think we all miss them. I mean, I see it when Absolutely. they miss their friends, they miss playing basketball on the cross and they miss their team. You know, I, I uh, so I, I really, um, I look forward to, you know, we've all made this work and we're figuring it out, but I, I really look forward to getting back to a place where, where we can be together in a, in a different type of way. And I, and, and I'm, I miss that. And I think a lot of people do too. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, I'm super grateful. I think that um, we can all learn a lot from you and from Sanmar and your leadership team, um, your dad and everybody involved, your brother. It's just incredible. And I love, um, I love knowing that there's masks being made, frankly. Um, And thank you so much for all of your work. And this probably will be uh, the second of hopefully more podcasts that you'll join join (laughs) us on. Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, Okay. yeah, take care. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.